said, my name's Quirtin. Um, as you guys saw, I'm here with my wife and my beautiful little boy. Uh, he also mentioned we're deacons in a church, and it's been such a joy for us to be part of this church. Uh, we've seen it grow. Um, we've seen it go through growth pains. <laughs> been part of it. We've probably been 90% of the growth pains um, ourselves. <laughs> um, but no, it's really been a blessing and an honor for us to to be in this church, and it's an honor for us to actually raise our child in this church. I know we spoke a bit about that this morning, and um, we're excited for him to grow up in this church, and we do realize that we will need you guys to help us and to assist us in, in raising our child. Um, before I go further, can I just say I truly, truly believe that God wants to speak to each and every one of us today. Um, if you feel like God has never spoken to you, I want, I want you to kind of just change your mindset to trust that He will speak to you today. And I want you to know that the foundation of Him speaking to you is the fact that He loves you. And it's as simple as that. Irrespective of who you are or why you are here, God loves you and He wants to speak to you today. I really, I really trust for that. Anyway, back to myself and my boy. Um, if you guys know me, uh, you know that if you ever ask me, so who is Miles? Prepare yourself, clear your schedule, make sure you've got nothing on for the rest of the week. Um, I will tell you all about his tiny feet and his little toenails and his cute smile and he's sleeping and he's not sleeping and everything in between. Um, but the other day, myself and Carmay were walking in the, in the shop and we saw someone that we know and they were obviously, we don't get attention anymore. Prepare yourself if you get a child, all the attention goes to your child and it multiplies. Like, it's not the attention you would have gotten, it's like 10 times the attention you would have gotten goes to your child now. Anyway... So this person goes to, hey, I look at barbecue, and I saw Miles has something on his cheek, and I just swipe it off, and you could see he kind of pulls his face, and this person says, ooh, who is that? And I thought to myself, man, this is my moment. I've been telling everybody about Miles. Everyone knows his full name, the whole story of who he is. You guys heard the beautiful testimony of how he got here, and um, I think to myself, this guy just asked, who was that? This is my claim to fame. This is my moment. He's going to tell the whole world about me now. So I'm waiting there, and uh, I can see this guy's also anticipating what is Miles going to say now, and just nothing. And I was like, oh, man, he asked, who am I? Like, come on, tell, tell him, who am I? And probably like 10 seconds of awkward, okay, is he going to answer now? And just nothing. And I realized, man, I don't think Miles is going to talk to me, so I awkwardly had to ask the guy to leave, and we had to have a conversation and sort out this whole thing, but I've forgiven him, and we've moved on, <laughs> so, so we're in a good space now, myself and my boy, um, <laughs> but anyway, what I realized is that oftentimes for us coming into God's kingdom, it's very much the same. I think God speaks about us a lot. And then when someone asks you, but who is God? You're like, uh, 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 mm. have you guys realized that? And it's okay because we come into his kingdom as babies. We don't come into his kingdom knowing everything. We don't come into his kingdom the full package. We come into his kingdom knowing nothing and we learn to know God. That's why I say I believe that God wants to speak to every one of us today and make something of himself known to us as well. And we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. Um, Billy, if you can please put up 2 Peter 3, verse 1 to 18. I think that's the last one I gave you. 
There we go. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So you see that uh, in this letter, people are commanded to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God. So it's okay to come into His kingdom and almost have a posture of, Lord, I know nothing about you. Come and teach me. Because He gives us the opportunity to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Him. Interesting fact did you, go, did you know that Jesus also grew in knowledge? If you can maybe put up Luke 2 verse 52 for us. Just a small backstory. Jesus and his parents went to Jerusalem. They kind of forgot him there. They thought that he's with them and he's not. And then three days later they come back and they're like, where were you? It's just like, what do you mean? Where was I? I was in my father's home. Um, I'm sure they were a bit confused. But then after... After being in the temple for a few days, people recognized something on Jesus' life. They said that, let's read, let's read it. said that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, which is a really interesting thought for me. Can you imagine Jesus being amongst us and growing in wisdom? I'm like, that can't be. But anyway, so accordingly, I believe that we actually also have to grow in wisdom and grow in understanding of who God is and of how he works in our lives. And this is a small disclaimer, but take note, you will never figure God out. There's not one person, not even all of us combined, will be able to give a clear image of who God is. Because there's so, so, so many aspects and facets to him. We even see in Revelation, John's looking into the future, and he sees um, angels and creatures around God's throne. And all they are doing is looking at God and then worshiping him, almost as if every time they see him, they see something new of him. And it's such an interesting thought because I, I believe, and if you guys have just listened to some of the words that come out today, I think there's a, a, a desire from God for us to want to see him. I believe he wants to stir something in us to want to see him. And seeing God is ultimately what forms the base of how we know God and what we think about God. C.S. Lewis famously said, no, I'm lying, it was A.W. Tozer, famously said that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And obviously, the way we think about God is usually either said by Scripture, what we read in Scripture, or how we have experienced God. So there needs to be an experience in God. You guys still with me? Is that good? So we spoke about seeing God this morning, even in the prayer meeting, there, was, there were words about God opening the eyes of our hearts. And, and seeing God is not necessarily a physical seeing, as you guys see me now, but it's very oftentimes a spiritual seeing God. Um, sometimes it can actually be physical, which I think will be very cool. Um, but let's break this into a threefold. There's a, for those of us who have followed God for a while, there was a moment we captured our hearts and we said, God, our lives are not our own anymore. Our lives are now yours and we're living our lives for you. So there we saw God in a spiritual sense. But then also as we grow in God, we are continually seeing God. So he makes more of himself known to us and we're like, oh, I've been lacking in this area. God, I see that this is actually your character. Help me to grow in this. And then also one day when he comes back, we will see him. In Revelation 1 verse 7, it says that, Behold, he is coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. So there's a, there's a 
we have seen God, we are seeing God. Together, if I see something in Larry's life which reflects God, it means that I'm seeing God actually through him. And then also one day when he's coming back, we will all see him. I think that one day when he's coming back will actually be a physical seeing and not just a spiritual seeing, but we'll see. <laughs> the, the reason this is important is I believe that many of us actually struggle to, to follow God or to associate with God or to love God because as, as A.W. Tosa said, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us, but very often that image is a bit of a, a warped image or you can't really say, yes, but this is how I see God or because you will never be able to define God. That is a fact, but that shouldn't stop us from actually growing in God, from actually getting to know Him more. And I believe that many of us actually struggle to follow God because we don't really know what we think about God. Have you guys ever thought about thinking? <laughs> it's an interesting thought. Like, what do you think about God? And, and I, I believe that that actually affects the outflow of our lives. So what I want to try and do today is to give us, like I said, we'll never be able to understand God. But I want to give us a more balanced view of who God is. Because our past experiences oftentimes affect how we see God and how we perceive God. If you, I'm trying to think of an example now. If you grew up in a home with a very harsh father who just scolded at you the whole time and nothing you did was ever enough, then you'll probably associate more with God's righteousness than with His love. Does that make sense? You'll feel like, man, this is what I know, so this is kind of a safe space for me. So when God says that He'll never leave you nor forsake you, you're like, okay, yeah, God, I, I hear that and I understand that, but also you're righteous and you judge people and you, do you guys hear what I'm saying? Very often our past experiences affect how we see God currently. The contrary is also true. If you grew up in a house with just your mother who just poured out her love on you, then oftentimes the righteous aspect of God or the discipline aspect of God will be foreign to you. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because you know that God loves and God cares and God comforts, but understanding God's righteousness and His discipline is very often then difficult. Does that make sense? So think of a, you guys know those signal towers, those big triangular stuff? And I don't know if you guys have seen, but they often have cables all around which are, bolted to the ground, and those cables actually bring a balance in them. So if one of the cables are tighter than the one on the other side, obviously the tower will lean over to the one side. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to do today is that when we have a warped image of God, when we have a, a cable tightened too much to this side, I want to just bring a balance in that. And oftentimes it'll mean actually swinging a bit to this side and then landing in the middle. Does that make sense? So allow your thoughts also to be shaken a bit to not just what you know or what you have experienced in the past, but also to be open to, okay, God, maybe I haven't actually seen this aspect of you. And don't become unbalanced to the other way now. Um, very often we see people actually being so caught up with, uh, with God's judgment and then someone tells them about God's grace and now they just do what they want because there's grace. And that's not the reason for God's grace. God's grace is actually there to keep us from sin and not to help us overindulge in sin. Okay, does that make sense? Everyone's still good. So I'll be giving a scenario of if you see God as this, 
then be mindful of this aspect of him as well. But then allow your thoughts to also, okay, God, maybe you are this as well. So if God to you is the one who always disciplines you, he's always harsh on you, he always in your mind feels like he's telling you to be better and do better, make sure that you also see God as a merciful and gracious father. Because if this is your leaning, then you're probably going to neglect the fact that God poured out his mercy and grace and judgment on Jesus. So you don't have to be so harsh on yourself anymore. But the opposite is also true. If you feel like you know God as a gracious and loving father, be sure to also know that God disciplines those whom he loves in scripture. So don't miss God's discipline then just because of overindulging in his grace and his comfort. If you merely run to God in times of need, if you feel like, man, there's a bad situation at work or at home, and now all of a sudden we have to pray. If you guys have been in, in such a situation, it's a good thing to run to God then. But don't forget that he's also the sustainer of your breath. Don't forget that he's also the one who helps you to wake up in the mornings. If not for him, none of us would be here, literally. Physically, <laughs> we wouldn't be here. So don't just make God your get-out-of-jail-free God and run to him when times are tough, but make sure that you rejoice in him when times are not tough. If God is a friend to you, which he is, Scripture says that he is your friend, make sure that God is also your Lord. Make sure that in all things you are submitted to him and to his will. Don't try and negotiate with God then saying that, oh, but maybe I can, God is still your Lord. And if God is if you, if you feel like you have a great understanding of God's lordship over you, make sure that you also experience him as your friend. Don't neglect spending time with him, spiritually drinking a coffee with him, chatting to him about your day, asking him things. Make sure he's also your friend, the one who speaks to you in times of need. And I want to say God can be all the aspects that we just mentioned and still we won't have a full image of him. So we're not going to get to perfection. We're never going to have that signal tower exactly balanced. But this shouldn't keep us from, from learning to know him, or from, from getting to know him more. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, if you can put that up. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says to them, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know, um, then I shall know fully as I have been fully known. And that's a really interesting thought. He's obviously speaking about when we get to heaven one day, then we'll actually see the bigger picture, which we don't always see in, in our life on earth. Um, but then we'll see the bigger picture. And he says that he will then know fully as he himself is fully known. And it's very important for us to know that by God we are fully known. It's very important for us to know what God thinks about us as well. I quoted A.W. Tozer now now saying that what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And there was a bit of a theological debate over that because one of the other famous theologians, C.S. Lewis, said that, can I read that quote to you guys? 
So that I read peri periodically the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think about God. By God himself, it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. So again, it feels like you've got these two extremes of how we think about God is the most important thing. And on the other side, how God thinks about us is the most important thing. But I do think, again, that it's both. I think we need to be balanced in, in that sense. Because how God thinks about us is important. That is what is supposed to shape your identity. That is what is supposed to shape the way you think about yourself. Not what others say, not what social media says, not what the people on your comments or the amount of likes on your Instagram says. It's what God says about us that is important. So, shooting out of the hip, do you guys, can you guys quote a few scriptures off the top of your head of what God actually says about you? Things like, um, you're loved with an everlasting love, or we'll never leave you nor forsake you. Any takers? Yeah. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Anyone else? We are accepted and beloved. Anyone else? He rejoices over us with loud singing. I know for myself, this is often an area that I actually lack in. It's God, what do you think about me? God, what do you say in your word about me? Am I truly seeing myself as fearfully and wonderfully made? How can I ever imagine that the King of Kings rejoices over us without singing? Because I, I know that my tendency is to go to, God, I must, I must do better. I must advance your kingdom. I must work harder. I must have, get people saved, get people into a house, let your kingdom grow. But very often I know that I neglect myself. Is there anyone else who feels like that? That you actually neglect yourself in, in following God? No, see a few hands. And so I want us to, maybe you can put up 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 13. I want us to change our minds on how we think of God. I want us to realize that He also rejoices over us. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says that, But as it is written, But no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's beautiful to see that God is a, a, not only the Lord, not only our Savior, not only the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, but yet He's the one who says that He cannot even imagine what I have planned for you. He cannot even fathom how much I love you. My love for you spreads as far as the north is from the south and as deep as you can imagine. That's how much God loves you. And we often neglect that. So maybe for today, I want to pray for us to, to have a balanced and good view of God. Not leaning too much towards the one end, but also not the, the other end. That's just as dangerous. <laughs> That's just as dangerous. So can we close our eyes? Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you paid on the cross, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the price that you paid so that we don't have to pay that price, God. Father, I thank you that you saw it well to give our punishment to your Son, God, that we may live in freedom, that we may live close to you, God. 
Lord, and I thank you as you say in your word that you have loved us with everlasting love, God. That nothing we do can separate us from your love, God. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here today, God, and how they are all in, in your eyes fearfully and wonderfully made, God. I thank you that you have chosen us to be here, Lord. God, I thank you that you have been gracious to us. You've given to us things we don't deserve, God, and you've been merciful to us. You've withheld things that we do deserve from us, God. You've withheld the punishment that you placed on your son from us, God. Lord, and I pray that today, as we pray during the prayer meeting and as we worship God, I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see you, Lord. Mm. I pray that we would be, be able to see you in your fullness, God. Lord, I pray for the ideas of what we've made of you to grow dim in comparison to who you really are, God. Lord, by your word, would you come and wash our minds, would you come and renew our thoughts on who you are, God. Mm. You guys can keep your eyes closed. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. And this is a true re reflection of God's love for us, not merely just our love for one another. It says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. God's love towards you is patient and kind, not envious or boastful, not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God's love to you bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. For a moment, while, while our eyes are closed, don't you allow God's love to just come into your heart? Chelsea shared a word of taking off the door that we've placed on our hearts and allowing God to come in. Don't merely take off the door and put it somewhere where you can put it back on. Allow God to come into your heart. Allow God to come and change your view of Him. Allow God to come and deal with the hurt in your heart. Allow God to come and deal with unforgiveness that you have. you to know that by sending his son God showed to us that he is more committed to you following him than you are even committed to you following him he already paid the price he already did what is necessary for you to be able to follow him mm -hmm. Holy Spirit I pray that you would come and soften hearts Lord Lord I pray that you would come and knock on the doors of our hearts God come and work deeply in us
last night at around quarter to four. I woke up and I thought someone knocked on my door. <laughs> my wife asked me, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I think God woke me up. And I believe that through that, he actually wants to, to show us that today is knocking on doors. It's not necessarily just on doors to come and give our hearts to him, but on doors that we've kept closed for a while. Doors that we've allowed the things in there to become rotten and to become schrot. And I really believe that God wants to come and open up that door. He's speaking to the church in Revelation saying, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you open up for me, I will come in and I'll feast with you. Allow God to come into those doors that you've kept closed. I'm specifically feeling that there's some resentment or some anger towards parents for how they've how they've al- allowed your view of fathers and mothers to be totally skewed when you read the word. And I trust that God will in this moment come and break those thoughts, those wrong thoughts of who God is as a father because of your experience. Like there's resentment in some of us towards God for not allowing a relationship or friendship to work out the way we planned it. He says in his word that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And in those relationships or friendships that you felt didn't work out, I want to encourage you to trust God knowing that his ways are higher than your ways. And then finally, I feel like for some of us, God's saying to you that by His grace and by His goodness, He's carried you this far. But you are aware of the sin that you are committing and He's pulling a line in the sand to warn you to stop with what you are busy with. By His grace, He's carried you this far. But stop with what you are busy with. Because He wants you in His kingdom. He wants you to run flat out for Him without the hindrance of sin, without the weightiness of sin in your life. So Lord, I pray that in this humble and sensitive space of our hearts, God, that you would come and meet us here, Lord. Know that by your love, you meet us where we are, God. But we also know that because of your love, you don't leave us where we are. Lord, so I pray that you would come and deal with these things in our hearts. So that you would come and keep our hearts soft as you continue to speak to us. As you continue to change us and to mold us to look more like you, Lord. So that you would keep us close to you. And I pray, God, that we would grow in knowledge and understanding and wisdom of who you are, God. So that we would see you rightly for who you are. So we would, I pray that we would never stop hungering and thirsting for more of you, God. Lord, so as we go into this week, Lord, keep our hearts soft before you. Keep us in a humble state of wanting to learn and wanting to grow in you, God.